You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us more than our fathers, more than our mothers, more than our friends. We thank you for loving us more than ourselves. And Lord, we ask that as we share out of your words to us, let strength return to someone today. Let health be restored. Let us have clarity by the Spirit. We ask that you speak to us in Jesus' name. Let's be shy a big amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. All right. Yeah, I know you're clapping like that because you're fasting. It's all right. It's all And I, and I know that not everybody is fasting, because as I was driving into church, I saw two people with bags from Sweet Sensation. I gasped. <laughs> but you will repent. I just assumed they were not in church last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask the person next to you, how's the fast going? How's the fast going? All right, today feels like day 14, but <laughs> it's only um, the fourth day, is it? Today, fourth day? Uh, Martin, are you not fasting? Four. All right, good. <laughs> um, Sunday. I, I think for us as a church, I feel us more. I feel we're, when we are fasting. I was asking myself, how is there a way to make sure we are always fasting? I'm not sure. But I feel us as life point when we are fasting. It's not by feeling, yeah. Okay. But yeah, people, you know, people are sharper, you know. Um, we have the vigil first Friday on Friday. It was a fantastic time. And bef- yeah, and before I went up, I was like, I should tell the band to sing a particular song. And I was just, you know, just too lazy to then run around there. But then Falabi comes up and he starts to sing this. I'm like, yes, Falabi should be fasting continually. All right. But help me tell the person next to you that I, I, I want to trust that you are fasting. I want to trust that you are fasting. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and so the fast is from morning till five o'clock. We typically would meet to pray. Uh, today we met to pray one hour before service. And today the fast continues till five. So even when you leave service, you might need to miss your, you will need to miss your normal Sunday brunch. Do not punish yourself by saying, I will just go with them and watch. Uh, nothing is torture to the soul. Um, and then, but more than just staying away from food, we're spending time praying in the spirit. And we also um, have spending time interceding. So for example, today our intercession uh, focus is praying for healing for the church of God in Nigeria. All right. Um, and then we also then have with, for each specific day, a, um, an initiative, someone was saying, would you consider exercising your love muscles for this? Uh, today we're saying, how can we promote unity within the body of Christ in Nigeria? All right, so there are things that you could do, and, and um, it, it's, been, you know, it's been a beautiful time for me uh, personally, and we already have testimonies. Okay, so there's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Monday and Tuesday, we'll meet on Zoom online to pray between 6 and 7 p.m. And then on Wednesday, we have a prayer meeting here. To, and we'll also be sharing communion on Wednesday. So it promises to be a fantastic time. All right. Um, very quickly, um, 
I felt impressed to read out Romans 15 and 13 for someone today. The Bible says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we are not very um, conscious of the fact that hope, uh, we can abound in hope. All right? So you can have little hope, you can have a lot of hope. And here scripture says that God, one of the things God wants to do is to fill you with joy and peace to the place where you are abounding in hope. All right, so you cannot, you should not be praying in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and still be in a place where you feel hopeless. So if you are feeling hopeless about a thing, about a circumstance, about something that you are working on, I'll ask that you spend time letting the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. I, I don't know who it is who is signing off on something, okay? Um, and this is not something as flimsy as, you know, you want to get married to her, she has got you married to somebody else that you should let that go, uh, you know, um, you really should let it go. Okay. Uh, but this is, you know, there's something that God has asked you to do. And you know, that place where you are almost giving up, I'll ask you to please let the Holy Spirit cause you to abound in hope again. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow me, if you can give me something to sit with, I just put something, just because you know, we're also fasting. And if I fall, you might think it's the anointing, but no, just... Just a little bit tired. All right. Um, help me tell the person next to you, you will not be poor. Yeah. All right. You won't be poor. Um, and this is an interesting conversation for me because, um, thank you. Yep. Because um, I can hear a child telling her mother, you will not be poor. You will not be poor. It's like, <laughs> and she needs to, because um, when it comes to the whole conversation about, uh, money, about finances, we, we have become shy as a church, as churches in general, uh, because a lot has been said. And a lot has happened. All right? um, but today I just want to take us on a small tour around scripture. Because there's a way you can live your life that is indicative of the fact that you are planning to be poor. Yeah, it is. There's, and it's just so that as we take this tour around scripture, that you need to, you might need to make one or two adjustments. All right. Um, agreed? The love of money is the root of evil, of all evil. First yeah? uh, Timothy 6.10 clearly states that. Right. So money for us is not something that we are meant to worship or that's meant to replace God or people in our lives. All right. Um, similarly, in, when you read First Timothy chapter 6, he's very clear about the fact that even our faith, godliness, is not necessarily... Uh, it says godliness is not... It says some people think that godliness is... The, is a means to gain. It's not, that's not the purpose of our faith to, so you can become, there's, there are bigger issues. Okay? One day I should just teach through that list of things that are more important than money. Okay? Um, but contentment, and I think I've said this before, is a, is a life skill. Uh, it is important that we understand that 
this is not just about collecting things for the sake of competition or for the sake of, so people could say, oh, you have money, Lashalaga is very rich. No. That contentment, all right, is a life skill. Just preparing my note, and I think for someone, it's important to just encourage you that we need to get to the place where we stop trying to own things or get things for the sole purpose of showing others that we are better than them. So you should not buy a dress just so that other people, so that your dress is the best dress. You should buy a dress because you like the dress and it's your size. You shouldn't buy it prophetically. It's a size five, but also another size five. It's a size eight, and I know I will get there. Buy your size. That's a risky conversation. I'm just going to retreat backwards towards what I know God has asked me to say. All right. In fact, if the things that you own, so you shouldn't, because I think for someone, you can actually go home now. Don't do that, but you can go home now because what I just said about the purpose of acquiring things should liberate you. All your friends have G-Wagon. All. Even Leia, that just came out of, came back from America, has a G-Wagon too. Leave them to drive their G-Wagon. If God blesses you with a G-Wagon, fantastic. If he doesn't, contentment is a life. Maybe you don't need a G-Wagon for your destiny. Maybe they are going to be going through flood and stormy waters or whatever. All my friends have the iPhone, what's it? X, yeah. Your own is six. It stopped updating on on the. On the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get the of course you know. I have one device. When you take it there, they say, "I oh, know it can't update anymore." Own it with pride or with humility. Stop trying to own things for the purpose, either primarily or indirectly, of projecting to others that you are better than them. You are not actually supposed to use wealth as a tool for oppression. You, you shouldn't. And would, 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 but I just wanted to put that out for someone. Help me tell the person next to you, you cannot be poor. You cannot be poor. Okay? And poverty is more than just uh, about not having things. Because a farmer before harvest may not have but he is not poor. A farmer who has seen the ground before harvest may not have, but he or she is not poor. Another farmer might be in harvest, might have an abundance of things at the moment, but have bills that his harvest cannot pay for. In fact, they might have the harvest, but not have the technology or the ability to translate or even cause that harvest to be perpetuated. Uh, for example, there's a gentleman in Luke chapter 12 who has a harvest. Big harvest, in fact. And then God has a conversation with that man. And says, look, um, <laughs> it says you have things, but you are not rich towards me. And he calls the man home. To be honest, money by itself was never designed to be enough. 
money by itself was never designed to be enough or designed to satisfy. Never. How much money is enough? How much? One billion dollars. Even you are having a headache just trying to calculate that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but, but it's important that we state that foundation. So there's a difference between, and I think God measures wealth and riches slightly, very differently from how the world does. In Luke chapter 12, that I was just talking about, when he has a conversation with a man in verse 21, he says that, um, he summarizes the whole conversation. Jesus, he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So you can be rich in things, but not rich towards God. In fact, when you read First Timothy, and if you can take notes today, please do, because it might be useful. First Timothy chapter 6, if you read from verse 17 all the way to verse 19, he's saying, look, command those who are rich in this age, this present age, not to be haughty or not to be proud, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 8, 17 says, Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. And verse 19 says, Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time that is to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So God does not reckon with wealth as the Forbes list does. Now, God does not, he doesn't do that. The Forbes says, we say, look, how much does uh, Tokbe have? She has five companies valued at half a billion dollars each, 10 houses, two in France, one in Benin, one in Ibadan, <laughs> one in Lekki, or two in Lekki, okay, it's balanced terms. But that's how Forbes measures wealth. God, on the other hand, measures wealth by what we do with what we have. So Luke 12, 21 says, the man had things, a harvest. He was even looking for how to expand it. But he says, you were not rich towards God. And so that's an interesting place to start. That when you think of wealthy people, are you on the same frequency with God? And and just by the way, when you think of other people, think of yourself. Because some of us have a number. In fact, the truth is that number changes. That you think you must get before you become rich. What is that number? It's not a trick question. Just tell me. What's your number? What's your number? You are from Ibadan. Ibadan people's numbers. It's in Naira. <laughs> in fact, all of you, your minds are so abused, your number is not even in Naira anymore. It's in dollars. But it's fine. Um, what is your number? 10, mi- 10 million. Nah, no, 10 million can't do much. Am I rich if I have 10 million? Can't even buy land. Abi? So that's, no, let's, let's move. Maybe 50? Are you not Nigerians? Naira, guys. <laughs> Don't offend me. Naira. Naira is strong. In Jesus' name. <laughs> But if God leads you to bless me in dollars, feel free, okay? 
But no, but 50 million naira, is that okay? Does that make, is that okay for you to be rich? Okay, let's move it. 100. 100, because 100 million might not even buy a house in Lekki. So what, 300? 500. That's one house in Lekki. But then you buy one G-Wagon, one Range Rover. That's 100 million gone. You want to buy a house in London, remember? So like a holiday house. That might, uh, no, 500 don't do. Let's move it up. 1 billion? At least with a billion, starting. Billion, starting. <laughs> not bad but it is untrue very untrue that anyone who doesn't have a billion naira is not rich very true because, and I know this because that's not how God measures it in fact you will be surprised that there are people who have a billion naira and in God's eyes are poor he says to this man oh boy, you've been gathering things some of you, the shoes you bought from university are still, you have, you're just gathering shoes, gathering shoes. Not, <laughs> so for someone you have $2 billion, but the other person has 2.5 million naira, whatever, but is feeding some poor people, is contributing to the work of God on the earth, is paying the school fees of someone in Aja. Is allowing their driver's son go to school out of 2.5 million. Am I rich towards God? As I prepared for this, that became one of my prayers. I was like, God, suddenly I no longer wanted to be rich in the eyes of men. That wasn't my consideration anymore. Of course, I want all my bills to be paid, I want to get to a place where I'm working in abundance. But I realize that maybe I do not need a billion dollars. Maybe there is really nothing in God's plan for me that requires. Maybe. I don't know yet. And I will be lying to you or just trying to impress you if I told you, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a billion in dollars. I, I don't need it at the moment. That's the truth. But am I rich towards God with my current level of income? It doesn't matter whether it is 10,000, 1 million, 10 million, 100 million. Are you rich towards God? In fact, Jesus has this interesting conversation. He has this interesting conversation where he's talking about the widow who gives. Right, so we get the term the widow's might. And he says, no, this, there's, there's something going on here. He says, all these other people, he says, when you look at what they have brought out towards God, out of their wealth, and compare it to what the widow has given out of her poverty, he says, no, there's a difference. And you, you must be careful, and all this is just interesting, necessary background, but you must be careful before you envy any other person's wealth. You must understand where it's come from. What's the source? And we cannot continue to push this culture where money is respected regardless of where it came from. So if you know someone dupes old women in Texas, and that's how he makes money, 
He tells them he's coming to marry them. He's building a house for them in Spain or something. And then they send him their life savings. And then he buys a Range Rover in Lagos. And we're like, my goodness, he has hammered. He has not hammered. If anything, he's approaching a hammer. His judgment is waiting for him if he doesn't repent. And so we need to, sometimes you need to look at your friend in the eye and tell him you're not rich. You have gold, but this is not wealth. You, you have a friend that's a drug pusher. Tell him God is not happy with you. He said, we don't condemn, I'm not condemning you. Read your Bible. God is not happy. We are killing people's children. Stop praising him. Don't even like his pictures on Instagram. <laughs> Take it personal. Am I rich towards God? Help me. I tell the person next to you, you cannot be poor. You cannot be poor. You cannot be poor. So God is looking for rich people, guys. And, and, and <laughs> that even with your current, your salary doubled last year. It's not a word of knowledge. I know. You can even put on weight. Oshola is doing well, girls. You're getting, you're getting quickly. For <laughs> it's doing well. So I, I rebuked him the other day. He's been coming to church regularly now. He's doing well. Um, but are you... <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you can be richer with a, your former salary, yes, than you are with an increased salary. Because sometimes God will bless you with, and double your salary, and then you become poor. Because before, there were, there were shops you could not enter. You didn't have the courage. You tried it once. How much is this jacket? They told you the price. 500K. You should, you, since then, you don't enter the shop. How much are the shoes? 150. How many? Just one pair. <laughs> but now, my goodness, you've been blessed with income. I would like two. And I'm not joking. Oh, my friend tells me a story last week. He says he goes into this shop. That this gentleman is coming to buy things there. And in fact, before the man comes, his PA comes to make sure everything was ready. He said, and the guy is picking stuff here, two here, this here, this here. And then he leaves. He says the bill is in millions. He says he felt an anointing. He needed to do something. <laughs> True story. He says he's on Ted Mayland Bridge. That he's asking himself, this 400K bill I have. <laughs> I'm telling you, true story. True story. He was then shopping, 400K. And even then, he didn't meet up with that guy. They said, as he was, they said when he got home, he had to hide some of the things from his wife. And he's bringing them gradually. God is looking for rich people. People who are rich towards him. They, that is a thing. That is a thing. And it is important that someone who is currently in the early days of their life will stop putting unnecessary pressure on themselves. You just graduated. In fact, you're about to graduate. And you're talking about million dollars. They've not even given you a certificate yet. You have no skill. You don't, do, you don't know any business. You can't even make hair. You can't code. You can't sing. What else do people do? You, you don't know how to rap. You don't, what? You can't bake. You can't do makeup. And you're saying, my God will give me $5 million. How? That is greed, though. 
But do you realize that with your 30K in your account, you can be wealthy? Guys, there's, there's a way, there are gifts you can give people at any level eh, that will change their countenance and their thoughts towards God. And we'll read it very soon. That you can give someone on the street 5K. That 5K you used to watch Lion King. Yeah? And Lion King is when you watch a movie, but I'm saying that 5K, and it can, it can change their, they'll be talking about the testimony since December. One day, I was coming, and that's how this small, this small lady, small like this, she just came, counted 5K, new, new notes. My God, God is alive. And so, as you trace the growth and the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ through scripture, a couple of things are very apparent, one is just the hearts with which people pour themselves towards. And I, and I said to myself a couple of months ago that these guys had seen Jesus give everything for the gospel. So it wasn't hard. They knew Jesus had that. So they're like, man, yeah, we can put our lives in. So they, they left everything. They made sure whatever God wanted to happen on the earth would happen. You would see them fighting again for the doctrine. So they would talk of the apostles' doctrine. But the truth is our faith, not everything is consistent with sound doctrine. You'll see them in prayer. They'll continue in prayer. Acts chapter 6, you know, they set up structures so the apostles can give themselves to prayer. And then Paul, as he writes, he would lead out his writings with requests for prayer. Pray for us. Pray for us. And then one thing that we very conveniently take our eyes off is the economy of the church. It's the money part of it. All right, so I just want to lay a foundation. I don't know when I'll finish this whole conversation. But I just sense that God wants to heal us in this regard and make sure that when it's 5, 10, 20 years, when we stand before him, that we can stand confident knowing that the will of God was done completely when it came to our finances. So, um, if you're an economist here, God bless you. Okay? <laughs> um, and I'm just going to try and try, I don't know, just try and write up on the stage. So, and I'm going to try and put like a whole chart. I'm sorry, it does not worry. I like to write. So, how do I start? So let's start from, you know, red or God, our source. All right? So God starts here. I'm going to use red because red is close to the blood of Jesus. And yeah, it's good to do things properly. God, our source. When we, I got saved a couple of years ago, that was one of the first things that the fathers of the faith will say over and over and over again. That you must remember that God is our source. Not a man, not a system, not a skill, not a person. God is our source. So 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9, you must read. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, very quickly, Bible says God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you. That you having sufficiency in all things, and at all times may abound unto every good work. Okay, well, that's how I learned it. 
may have an abundance for every good work. Please, if there's anybody who believes that poverty is a gift from God in any shape or form, you need to follow me closely today. Because sometimes we want to, to project a form of, <laughs> of faith that says, oh no, you know, until we put in something that looks hard. How can the God who says the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills are mine, say to you, you are my son, and hey, guess what? You will be poor. Oh, because I want to teach you something. In fact, God says, if you know how to treat your own earthly children well, if you're a parent here, you know the sacrifices you make. Of course, some of those sacrifices is so that your child can be competitive when you go, it's okay. But you know the sacrifices you would make. Some of us send our children to schools where the school fees, why am I going down this path? But it's okay. Where the school fees is, the money I pay for my daughter's fees could have sent me to the university 10 times one year. Some of her toys are not toys. But I'm willing to do that for her. Oh my goodness, I love when my daughter smiles. And my son too, in case he listens to this message. But no, but when it comes to God, ah, no, no, poverty will purify your soul. Oh yes, it will purify. When you're poor, you will see your real, your real spirit. No. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, God who, he says he supplies all things, causes grace to abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance in every good work. In fact, and, and when you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, Context is important. He is talking about giving. He's talking about money. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, because every time we quote Philippians 4:19 now, people think, my goodness, you're about to take my money from me. But and, and I was contemplating, and because I'm a man under authority, I couldn't do it. I'll say, guys, I would I wish we could say we weren't taking an offering today. So you have a, you know this is not about an offering. But, but then I have to take permission from my pastor to do that. But Philippians 4.19, Paul says that God, it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So there's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. There's Philippians 4.19. God is our source. That's where it all starts from in the kingdom. God is our source. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6 that we read, and verse 17, it says, God, the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And you must ask yourself the question. Is God my source? In fact, you know, um, I've always liked uh, Tenny's song. But she, and she's writing sometimes, yeah. That even though her father is not Dangote or Adeleke, 
that we will be okay. But the part she misses out is that the reason we are okay is because God is our source. And, and that is very important. Your source matters. So this is, and we could go through scripture after scripture about a God, and that's, it, it just began to dawn on me that when God tells them to build where he will be worshipped, he refuses for them to build some ramshackle thing for him. Read through it. He begins to speak about beautiful things, about gold and all that. In fact, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, again, Paul is talking to the church about the economy of the church. He says, everyone on the first day of the week, keep aside something, right? I think it's in verse 2. Let each of you store something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Some translations will say, storing up as God has prospered you. So I know we talk about a prosperity gospel. And I know it has been abused. And, and we, we'll talk about that. But guys, we cannot let the presence of a counterfeit deny us from desiring the real thing. They say they are very, ah, they are fake Rolex, Rolexes. Are, ah, they are fake, they are fake. They say, I want to give you a Rolex. Ah, no. Tell the person next to you, you, you will be rich. You will be rich. Tell them you will be rich. Yeah? So God is our source. And, and, and just follow me. It's, it's not the most elegant model. But so that's all, all here, right? And, and, and that's all evolving here. Now Paul begins to, when you read through scripture, as a bunch of people who I would call givers. Okay? And so when you read 2 Corinthians chapter, let's start with chapter 9. Or let's even go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. Amazing. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints. I've never seen that like that. He brings up this concept of something called a collection for the saints. He says, as I have given orders to the church, the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. In fact, when you then... so and, Hold it there and run all the way to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. He says, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gifts and the fellowship okay, of ministering to the saints. Paul begins to paint a picture, guys, that there is a flow. So God is our source. And that there's also another bunch, there's something else happening. It says there is a giving. In, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, he speaks about the collection for the saints. In 2 Corinthians 8, he says it is for the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Follow me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's speaking to the church there. And he begins to, if you read from verse 1 down, by the time you get to verse 2, he says, for I know, he's speaking about the church in Achaia. He says, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and that your zeal has 
stirred up the majority. So he's saying, guys, there is something happening. There's a contribution happening. And he's saying you had zeal for it. He says, in fact, you made these plans a year in advance. And he said, guess what? Your zeal has provoked others. In fact, when you read 2 Corinthians 9 down, he begins to say to them, guys, we are coming. Would you please prepare? So they're givers. There's a whole section of people who are givers. And he began to speak about preparation. And I started asking myself, are there still people in the body of Christ today who understand that a collection is being made? And so he says, well, in fact, when you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he speaks about the church in Macedonia. He says, these guys didn't have a lot of stuff. He says, but out of sometimes extreme poverty, that's how he puts it. Read verse 1 and verse 2. He says, moreover, he says, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And again, it begins to paint this whole picture that when God thinks of us, he's not thinking of how much we have or do not have. He's saying, what is any doing with the five million I gave her? He's saying, what is Joshua doing with the $10,000 that I gave him. So givers. In fact, he, he speaks about the grace of giving. And then, you know, the one that surprises him the most, when he goes to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and I think verse 9, you know, he's talking, he's talking, encouraging them. There's an activity going on. When he gets to verse 9, he says, come guys, do you know that uh, the grace of God towards us? He says, though he was rich, that he became poor. Is it up yet? It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And the truth, and I almost got sidelined for a while, was that people would say, talk about this scripture and say, oh, no, he wasn't talking about wealth or money. Because it didn't make us comfortable. Right? The interesting thing was that you have to read the entire chapter in context. And he's talking about money, guys. He's talking about wealth. But, and, and, and that's why I started with this whole thing of the riches that God speaks about, the rich people. It's not just about accumulation. It's about being rich towards God. Help me ask the person next to you, are you rich towards God? Are you rich, are you rich towards God? He's speaking about the economy of the kingdom. So God our source, then give us. In fact, uh, when you read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, he's talking about, he says, let him who stole steal no more. Let him who was doing 419, let him not do it anymore. He says, but rather, let him walk with his hands what is good. Why? He says that he may have something to give to him who has need. And I was like, I'm, I'm, that's a bit strange. You would think he would say, I may have that he can spend on himself. No. So that one of the purposes of work 
is meant to be that you have stuff to give. Because we tell people sometimes that work is meant to be this fun coincidence between your passion and your desire and your potentials. And so person just sits down. I'm just waiting for that dream job where, you know, when I get in, we play table tennis for five minutes. After that, you know, everybody lies down on the floor. We meditate. Then we, we brainstorm. Then we all run in the sun. No, 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 no. God give you that kind of job. is okay. But he says that work is serious business, guys. In fact, in Acts 20, 35, he tells them, he says, you know, I've tried to set an example for you guys how that by laboring, you must support the weak. I have shown you in every way. He's about to leave a church. He says, guys, remember the example I have shown you that by laboring, you must support the poor, the weak. It is not if, it is not when, it is not maybe. He says, you must Support the weak. And so when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a couple of things pop out. I'll just put them there and I'll move on very quickly. And 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10, he says, Now may he, speaking about God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he introduces this concept that says, when you get resources as a person, as a Christian, you must be able, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to distinguish between what is what. That this is bread, this is seed. So I normally say to myself, and I say to people, that when I receive stuff, there is bread to eat, there is seed to sow, there is a tithe to return, and there is stuff that needs to be invested. And if you back up 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, and this whole part about the givers, yeah? So he talks about seed to sow and all that. But when you read verses 6, or 6 to 7, so there's seed, there is bread. He begins to say, look, guys, and we'll talk about it one day. And it amazed me as I prepared for this that he was talking about giving. He says, uh, so let's, it says, and this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, so let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. The challenge is that because these scriptures, this practice has been abused, it becomes difficult for us to teach it, for us to preach it, and for us to talk about it. Right? And, but, but as I, I realized, look, we're then doing ourselves a big injustice because don't forget where we started from. First Corinthians 16, Father Givers, that there is a collection being done for the saints. So think of the flow. God, our source, people who give, there's a collection being done. So Paul says, look, there are people who give a lot and he says they get a harvest of a lot. He says, let's not lie about it. It says that those who give a little and get a little, he was not talking about anything else but money. And it says there's that which you receive which is bread. There's that which you receive which is seed. Now, if you plant all your 
everything you get and use it as seed, you will be hungry for a while. Fact. You'll be hungry for a while. But if you eat the bread and the seed, you will be very comfortable now, but in the coming days, you will be properly hungry. So where is your bread? What is your bread? And as I was preparing for this, I realized I, I stopped looking at Naira and my funds when I get money in my account. I've stopped looking at it the same way. That what God has given you at the moment, do you know what part of it is? Your whole salary cannot be bread. The whole salary from start to finish. And I don't think your whole salary can be seed too. Because sometimes God will impress on your heart. So you give your whole salary. Say, so God, how will I survive? Say, so give it. God help you. Um, lastly, and I think just to talk about it, and I'll move on, and I'll tell you guys why this is so important. In Philippians chapter 4, we read verse 19, where we talked about God being our source. In Philippians chapter 4, he begins to say to them, look, when there was a time in verse 15, he says there was a time when no other church, since now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving, and receiving, but you only. So I say, where is P.I. going with this? I thought P.I. was a good chap. I thought he was one of the good ones. It's giving. He's going to ask me for an offering. Someone's moving all their money from savings. <laughs> moving it to their friend. Say, send this money back to me tomorrow after I've left church. <laughs> but guys, there is, there is an economy in the kingdom. So there's seed and bread. There are those who give a lot and then get a lot. There are those who give a little and get a little. Okay, I'll put the last two on the table and then we move. And he says, <laughs> so in between all of this, in the local church, the early church, you would find some guys who are called the carriers. Okay? And so what the carriers would, would do, so this is seed and bread. Uh, there was proportionality. Okay? Here... There was um, giving and receiving here. So that's under this whole place here. Okay? What the carriers will do, which you read through scripture, you would find people. So in Philippians chapter 4, he speaks about a guy called Epaphrod- Epaphroditus. He says, I've received the gift which you sent through him. So there are guys who went from church in between church to church, in between givers to other places, and they would carry those funds. Okay? Uh, So so, so there was, uh, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, when he's speaking to the church, he says, I'm coming, put the offering together. If I want to, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, when I come, no offering will be collected. No, he says, what you should be doing, guys, as God prospers you, is that you should be planning your giving. So, I suspect that our offerings should not be an afterthought. That if you are Discipline like my wife, and you do a budget, God should be in your budget. So your giving should be in your budget. Your support for the weak should be in your budget. So remember Acts chapter 20, 35, it says you should labor to be able to support. What you want to give should be in your budget. You should write it there, 100,000 naira, giving. 
phone. She'll say, why did I come? I knew my spirit should have come to church. And I knew it. I felt it in my heart. I just, ah, but you're here. Tough luck. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he speaks about people like Titus. He says he speaks about people called the messengers of the church. So they are carriers. Okay? And in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, when I come, we would figure out who would carry this thing onto Jerusalem. So he speaks about a guy called Titus. There's, I think, Timothy at the time. There's Epaphroditus, whose name is long, so I'm just going to put EPH there. All right? Because I need to. But you see, what was, <laughs> what was amazing about this as I thought about the carriers was that I began to get impressions in my heart that God was raising carriers in our generation. And let me tell you what, what I, the picture I began to see, that there were people who God was giving resources for his kingdom even between generations. That there are people who would carry, who would come into an inheritance for the sake of the kingdom. That there are people who would become carriers between industries and between continents. And I'm praying about it, and this is just me talking from the top of my head. I do not think that the exodus we are seeing to Canada is just people reacting to things. That, well, I know that's a big part of it, but you will be surprised what God is doing with the people and the resources he's moving out of here. Anyway, the next batch of people, Paul says they are administrators. Administrators. Okay, now this is the big one where we sometimes have a problem. What happens to all this money that we give? I saw PI driving a Range Rover, old model, yes, but Range Rover nonetheless. Is that my offering? Is that my offering? Is that offering I gave last week? Is that the tire on that car? No, it is not. I, I walk. I have a job. Bro. I walk. I walk. All your, your, your pastors here all work. Right? And, um, okay, that's another David's discussion. But your pastors work. Work hard. <laughs> Holy Spirit. I, I know, Lord, I want to focus. Yeah? Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 19 to 20. He says, and not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Then the next verse says, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is being administered by us. So, the, so Paul was an administrator, for example. So this picture that Paul paints, yeah? So just think of Paul writing to people. He would speak about their spiritual life. He would speak about this. He would speak about that. Then he would say, guys, we need to move money. He would talk to the church in Achaia, the church in Macedonia, the one in Philippi. He's saying there's a collection that is being made for the saints, guys. That God, our source, supplies seed and bread. Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The sower, the givers, realize they make a preparation, right? And they realize that we must give that which is stirred up in our hearts. That we would sow not sparingly, we would sow bountifully, Right? And they get into that place where Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and 15, 
that they are participating in something called giving and receiving. The fact that lots of people have used all sorts of con tricks and told all sorts of gimmicks around all these things does not mean it is not God's economy, God's plan. In fact, when Paul speaks about the administrators, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, when I show up, we'll decide who will take the money and take it to Jerusalem. So the administrators were also in Jerusalem. There were some guys there. The last bunch of people, it's a large, I'm just going to put receivers. Okay? And I want to speak about this carefully because you need to see how this is all flowing. The receivers. Uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, right? And verse 14, he says, why are you guys giving? Why is this contribution important? He says, but by an equality, and let's start from verse 13, please, so there's a bit more context. Uh, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. No. He says, but by an equality, that now at this time, your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there, be, there may be equality. So he says there are some saints who need money. That there is a brother in church who is struggling to pay accommodation. He says there are saints who are going through a season where they don't have money. And so the administrators will take off that money and they will support those people. In fact, when you read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, I think it's verse 20, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 9, 12. It says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but it's also abounding through many unto thanksgiving. So they're the needs of the saints. Church people pretend a lot. Ah, no. Ah, no. Church people pretend. Pride. We have said it before. As part of Elevation Church, nobody who comes to Elevation Church, comes to Life Point, should go to bed hungry. Some people would rather be hungry than that they told their church that they didn't have money. After a while, you don't have to tell us. We can see it. We know it's not feed farm. You're losing weight. You're losing weight. You're losing weight. Sometimes you fall down during worship. Say, oh, she's been slain. It's not slain. It's a small breeze. It just went down. How are you? I'm fine. I'm strong. I'm prospering in the Lord. I'm doing well. Hold your pastor. Pastor, I've not eaten for three days. That... The administrators in First Peter chapter 5, the writer Peter begins to elucidate, talk about how, oh, there are widows that need to be supported by the church. He said, but we will not support any widow that has family alive. Let the family first feed her. Save with, but, and in fact, and then widows that are badly behaved, we won't support those ones too. It's all there. Right? He said, but there are people who can't support themselves. So First Peter chapter 5. Oh, there is the work of ministry. There's the work of ministry. 
there are people who need to be sent to go and start things, to go and run churches, to gather meetings, to put stuff in media. So in one place, Paul would say, I think it was to Titus, he would say to him, make sure that uh, Apollo and one other guy says, make sure they are set on their way, lacking nothing. In fact, some of the people who need money, who need things, there are people who are waiting for their harvests because they've sown seeds. He would say in Malachi, he said, bring in your tithes and your offerings that there may be meat in my house. Please do not be too proud that your local church cannot help you. Do not be, and there are things we can't help with, that's the truth. Be I want to go on a vacation to Spain. Me too, I want to go on a vacation to Spain. Let's join our faith together. But if you have not eaten, course. Why would you go to bed hungry? If you have a medical bill and you can't pay it, why? Why are we all singing together? Why? Because we are singing, the angels are wondering, are these people all right? And we claim that we are prophetic and we are, but we cannot see everything because sometimes your makeup confuses us. We look at your makeup and you're like, oh my God, you're doing well. Sometimes it's, it's your beards. They're so fresh. You put all sorts of spirit and oil on it. But you don't have money. Would you allow us, would you allow the collection for the sense touch you? Oh, by the way, I must say this. Um, the work of ministry costs money. So, and even the support for pastors, it's something that we won't say, but my pastor was talking to, he was teasing me. He was talking to, I think it was someone else, and he says, he was saying to, he said, your pastor won't talk to you guys about this. He says, but your pastor is a giver. And I was like, oh. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and 14, he says that there was no other church that participated with me in giving and receiving. Giving to your pastors, and this is not just PI. There are lots of other pastors in there. If I want to just upset them, I tell them to stand up. <laughs> but unless they're all hiding now, they're like, where's that scripture? Where's that scripture? But giving to your pastors, supporting those who bless you. In fact, I read that scripture to your hearing in case you have never seen it before. Galatians chapter 6, I think it is verse 6. And I put all this together and we pray. Galatians chapter 6, I think it's verse 6. Is that, am I right? Yeah, I so said, let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Verse 7, verse 7. Ah, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Now, one thing Paul does, and I'm so proud of it when I see it in the scripture, he, says, he tells the guys, nobody is going to say it's because of your, you gave me some. He's like, when I was with you, I walked. So, and that's one thing we try to do as honorably as possible. We will do our own work, follow the same principles here, so that God will bless us. And we have to, even your pastor gives. 
there is a blessing in giving to those who are in ministry. Now, I am so shy to say this, right? Because it then looks like, oh my goodness. But, 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 but here, because so that you will not grow, we will not grow up as Christians who have no regard for this. But let's move on, since that's not the main message. Now, <laughs> this whole flow here, where, where are we? So this is how amazing how we're planning for the teaching series for this period. And I think, I, I don't know when, I think next week we'll talk, talk about it, but the next last two weeks we're talking about something totally different. I kept on hearing financial resources. I, I just, I couldn't shift, you know, so I, when I asked for a title of the message, I don't have a title of the message, that was all, was it? But I realized that we must come to the place where as we pray, as we fast, as we say, God, use me. God is in really. <laughs> that we let God position us in a place where he is our source. Completely and totally. We let God develop what Paul calls the grace of giving in our lives. He speaks about a particular church. He says they've excelled in all other graces. He says also excel in this grace of giving. That we join the churches in Achaia. We join the churches in Macedonia. That this was the way and this is the way that the church runs. Oh, by the way, not all this giving is just giving that comes to church, guys. There is giving that goes to parents. There's a communication of honor. There's the communication of honor. It has nothing to do with how much you earn. There used to be this interesting practice. How that when you, in your Africa, when you made your first salary, you would take it home. Yeah? And then you would share it. I remember them taking my first salary home. And I remember just looking at it. And I remember one elderly man who couldn't really see properly. When he wanted to take a large part, my father pushed his hand away. But they give you part of it back, actually. Yes. In Benin, I don't know what they do in other places. Honor. But, <laughs> guys, time is almost... But There's a day, my siblings and I, my parents, the 40th wedding anniversary, we show up at the house and we give them a gift. We give them something. A gift that confuses your parents. My father's like, hmm, how do we pray for this? No, we can't pray like this. We can't pray. <laughs> no, we can't, no, we can't pray like this. Now. No, then he calls some uncles. He says, that I can't pray this prayer. No. <laughs> some of you have never given your parents a gift. You say they, they have money. That's not the, it's not, the, the gift is not to increase them. It is to increase you. Say, my parents, you don't know my parents. You don't know God's word. Carriers. And this, this one, maybe one day we'll pray about it, we'll talk about it. I sense that God is looking for people who would build businesses around the kingdom. They would take scriptural principles. They would do things at the very highest level in terms of excellence, in terms of integrity. And they would then let those businesses be carriers. They would essentially take phones. Guys, they are there are things to do in the kingdom. There are schools to be built. Uh, <laughs> oh, my, I'm not talking, but let me just talk. It's all right. 
the people who are investing in Nigeria today, if you are careful to follow, are investing in abnormal things. They are investing in things which almost say to us that they do not believe we would get it right. So people are beginning to, they're no longer investing so much in our power sector because it's all modeled up. But they're looking for how other people, looking for alternative sources. So I think, Nigeria, I don't know where else in the world people are investing in companies that essentially take motorbikes to take people around. Because they're saying we, it's not likely that we'll get our transportation system. So they're investing in odd things. In the midst of that abnormality is a call to the church that we'll take out of our purse and, and build schools. That we'll build hospitals, guys. Im imagine if everyone at LifePoint said, I was going to give one scholarship every year. It doesn't even have to come through LifePoint. Imagine if we just vexed one day and went into a maternity ward and sent all the children who had just been given birth to and sent people who had bills and sent them home. And you don't even have to wait for the church. You can take your, your next vacation money. Take one million naira, go into a hospital, do the work of God. When they're living there, give them scripture. When Jesus was ministering. After he gave them food, they came back the next day. Although when the night came by, he said, you want food, Abby? There's work to be done. I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 8 um, and verse 7 to 18, and we'll just, we'll just pray. Okay? Deuteronomy 8, 7 to 18 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. It says, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good thing which he has given you. Verse 11 says, beware, but you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when the herds, your herds and your flocks multiply, and that your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, from the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your hearts, my power and my 
the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to our fathers as it is this day. Amen. I'd like us to pray this morning. Someone just says, Father, please make me reach towards you. Lord, make me reach towards you. It doesn't matter if you only have a thousand naira in your account. It doesn't matter if you are in debt. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars. Lord, make me reach towards you. Lord, make me reach towards you. That conversation in Luke chapter 12 is amazing. The man had tons of money. God said, this is a judgment issue. Oh, Lord, make me reach towards you. Let me not be flamboyant just to impress people. Let me not buy things that I do not even like because they are trendy. Uh, let me not use my wealth to oppress others. Let me not compete with people with a different purpose and destiny. Oh, Lord, make me reach towards you. Oh, Lord, make me reach towards you. Lord, make me reach that wherever God will find you on this whole path, on this whole economy of the kingdom, Lord, make me reach towards you. And I don't know what transactions you and God have, what vows, what practice, what, what stirring is in your heart. But Lord, make me reach towards you. Let, let me not see another naira the same way. Let me not see another dollar the same way. There's someone who needs to say, Lord, make me reach towards you. Uh, because God is saying, that's a refrain in your heart. God is saying in Acts 20, 35, he's saying that you should labor. You've not been working. God is saying, so you want to work. So Lord, give me a job. Show me how to do it. There's someone else, Ephesians chapter 4 and 28. He says, let him that stole steal no more. And you're saying, Lord, I will not do this anymore. I'm destroying the codes. I'm destroying the computers. And it says, but rather let him walk that he may have to give to him that is in need. There's someone who hasn't been given. Come on, church. He says the church in Akaya, he says they prepared a year in advance. Is there anyone who wants to trust God with their finances? Someone else, you are saying, God, you are my source. 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 Someone else is asking God, is asking God out of 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that he will cause all grace to abound towards them, that them having sufficiency in all things and at all times may abound unto every good work. Someone else is saying, Lord, help me. Show me the difference between my seed and my bread. Let me not consume my seed. Let me not eat that which I meant to sow. Someone else is saying, Lord, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1, the contribution for the saints. Lord, what would you have me do? How often? When? Where? Someone else, God is saying you are a carrier. You are a carrier. That all this wealth that has come to you from a previous generation is not just for you and for your friends. It's not for partying. It's not for impressing people. He says there are people who are hurting. There are people who need help. There are hospitals to be built. For someone, there is a child whose education is tied to your income. Wake up. And before you buy another week, another car, another house, that would you think of the work of God? Thank you.
Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.com.